Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sanjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sanjo Gall. Hello and uh, welcome to this segment on CTN. To learn more, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. And our topic for today is adopting AI and machine learning in healthcare. And our guest for today's show is Ron Double, who's the CIO with Parkview Health. Hey, Ron, how are you? I'm great. How are you today? Very good, sir. Very good. So the reason we wanted to talk about this uh, topic is we have covered AI and machine learning uh, on multiple shows in the past. But then that was about whether it has value for different industries, whether it has value for healthcare. And it's, it's, it's a f- answer is yes. A short answer is yes, that's, there is value. But then devil could be in the execution. And, and that's where we have to see whether AI and machine learning, when we'll start looking at it in, from an adoption standpoint, how people will end up using it, how the value will get created, what has been journey so far, what have been our adoption challenges so far, and what does it take for healthcare? How does it get ready to embrace and invite AI and machine learning into the enterprise? So that said, the first question, Ron, is we are looking at the potential that AI and machine learning offers, which is in form of significant improvements it can bring about. But then, do you think based on the effort being made so far within the industry or perhaps in your organization, what what do you see has been the state of adoption and the actual outcome of adopting AI and machine learning? It's a great question, and so as I thought this through and, and thought, well, how would this, how, how does it impact us? Um, you know, AI and machine learning, I think, can be used throughout the, continu- the con- complete com- complete care continuum. Um, I think we have great opportunity in healthcare to uh, leverage AI and, and uh, machine learning, and so we've been maturing over the last several years, and my philosophy here at Parkview has been that we should gather every bit of information we can possibly gather and hold it in our stores for the time when we really need it for uh, AI. And so we have really started moving from the world of, of across the continuum from diagnostic analytics, which is where we really started, where you're using this to do more of the diagnostic work, to now predictive analytics, and we're really doing a lot with predictive analytics, moving on to prescriptive analytics, and then, as I would say, AI and machine learning is kind of along that continuum. So we're slowly, as a, as an, as a industry and as a health system, moving towards um, that world of AI and machine learning. And I think that's the first thing you have to do is you have to walk before you run. And so we're, we're working our way through that um, and uh, really taking some big steps. You know, we've been using predictive uh, analytics uh, for a while here, in, uh, predicting sepsis risk, um, uh, risk upon readmission, um, things like that, uh, predicting uh, 30-day readmission rates. We've been using the the uh, information to begin to do some predictive analytics. I think the next step in that is how do we use it to start being prescriptive in how we should respond and how we should act. And I think that's a little scarier area for many people in healthcare. 
So uh, what you just mentioned uh, in terms of what, where you're going with it, prescriptive and uh, you know other things which you may have envisioned that if I'll bring AI, will start happening. But this doesn't from an execution standpoint or inviting it in, adopting it and starting out with this whole journey. It's not that one day you make a decision, second day you start deploying it because there is some, hopefully, uh, I'm thinking there will be, you know, buy-in from the business, and they would have given you some funding because there is some bigger changes that are required before you slap on a tool. Right, and I, I think the the thing that we have to understand is really what do we what's the problem we're trying to solve, and so the business is coming up with the problem, and AI and, and machine learning is really just the way for us to solve the problem to look for new patterns, and and so as an organization we have a as an organization as an industry as a whole we have a lot of problems to solve, and so the way you start getting adoption of AI is by allowing uh, people to define uh, to provide you with some. Uh, define problems, and then you take that and you begin to look at how can I use AI to solve that problem. And, you know, if you start getting a few big wins in um, solving those problems, people are much more willing to adopt um, the, the technology and want to use it and want to leverage it. And I think that's what we've seen from the beginnings of, of what I would call business intelligence, which is really that first step in the process of doing some um, predictive analytics once we gave them gave the caregivers one prediction they liked it and they wanted more and so there becomes that thirst for more and more of this information so you're right we have to kind of walk in, in through the process um over some time and yes it does require the organization to be willing to change and um uh, and and to supply us with the resources we need to be able to produce this information. And I think that's where the domain expertise comes in that we will uh, hopefully talk about somewhere in um, our conversation today. So I recently had a conversation with actually three healthcare leaders separately and also uh, as a unit, and we spoke about the need for getting a better handle on data. And healthcare, among other industries, has had a chronic issue that has been faced with respect to data being uh, harnessed not only just from your internal organization, because healthcare cannot be delivered in isolation. And the data is floating around among the, the different entities which come together to deliver healthcare. So when you talk about AI and machine learning, it cannot, it cannot truly be just limited to what you generate within your four walls. It has to be also including the ones which are generated by your partners. But then when we talk about the data integration, the data sharing, healthcare has had a very long battle which is still being fought with respect to that. So do you think your adoption of AI would be complete before you have had a better wins in, in the so-called data battle that you're fighting? Yeah, that's a great question. So from my perspective, the, uh, the use of AI will never end. It'll just continue to grow and we'll keep changing and it'll keep modifying over years. But if you talk about the data and the, um, what we need from data, the first thing that we have to realize, and this is, healthcare traditionally has been silos of information. And those silos of information have been held as competitive advantage. You know, it used to be that the doctor had a record, the physician had a record on the patient, and that was kept in their office 
office, and that was their information about that patient. It wasn't the patient's information. So I think the first thing we have to realize as, a, as an um, enterprise or as an uh, industry is that we need to think of this information that we have is really there, and it really belongs to the patient, and we've got to break down those silos. And um, it's... Uh, Information is often seen as a competitive advantage, and I would argue that the information is the patient's, and that shouldn't be the competitive advantage. How we use the information to enable the organization and how we do things is a competitive advantage. And so um, when we start thinking about these silos of information, the first step is, you're right, they have to be uh, broken down. The second thing is interoperability, and although healthcare has really um, made major strides in interoperability, we still have a long way to go. And the reason we have such a long way to go is because our protocols for interoperability are not uh, interpreted and applied consistently across the enterprise, uh, across the industry. So um, how... You know, uh, for example, HL7 transactions is, a, is an example of one way that we exchange transactions between systems, and yet people interpret how those transactions work or in, uh, organizations uh, interpret how those, tra- those, uh, how those transactions work differently. And so we really have to get more standardization in how we exchange information. And we're on the right path. We've got a, a long way to go. The other thing that I I think is a a big component of this is we don't have consistency in the enterprise or in the industry about how and where things are documented and how uh, the process for doing that. Um, Everybody does it, every organization does it a little different, and so it becomes really hard to normalize the data and make sure that the data lines up correctly. Although we've made some good progress in codifying a lot of data, there's still a long way to go. So I think a lot of the work in how we're going to be able to do this is to get more standardization across the data, and it will be a challenge for us to be able to um, move effectively through AI until we get that standardization in place. So given that you acknowledge and agree that there are data inconsistencies, and I understand that machine learning could be more of that, it's not truly inside the scope of that data inconsistency-related battles that you're fighting. But AI does. So do you think you can start your journey by getting some insights from the AI effort, AI-related effort, but it will be incomplete at best because still you don't have an aggregated version of of data, I'd say. How could your insights be complete or comprehensive even even if you generate ai even if you generate them using ai well i think that you know we we have vast amount of data already um, and maybe the one of the things that we have to really think about as we're starting to move through this this journey or as we're moving through this journey is that a lot of the information we need is directional it doesn't need to be uh, what I would say, perfect. So we are able to use the data we have to begin to identify patterns and get some direction to what is happening, even if it's not down to the um, uh, 
specific degree, at least we're making uh, identification of patterns and we're able to use that to give us some direction. And uh, that's more than we've been able to do in the past. It's more than the human brain could do um, in the past by itself. And so I think that's where we're getting some value already out of AI. What happens, though, by collecting data from all these other sources, you know, if we can get socioeconomic data and we can get data from payers and we can get data from um, not, you know, we have the care data, if you will, that we've provided, but you get care from outside the organization. If we can get all that, it improves the accuracy of our predictions, but I think the direction of our predictions is probably pretty accurate. And so each piece of data that we start to get in or each uh, new source of data just adds to the accuracy and will build over time to a better and better product. So that said, what we wanted to understand here and or confirm from you is are the the systems, the processes, the data ready? Would you give a green jet or green signal to what you have going in your organization to say, yes, I'm ready to welcome AI? Because when we're talking adoption, readiness is the first question to be asked. So that, that, that is a really tough question that I'm going to try to answer in a couple ways. As far as are we technologically ready to begin this journey and, and make some major steps in that direction? Yes. And the more data and the more uh, information I can glean and the better I can start to do predictions and the better I can start to look across that data and find patterns, we're ready. We need that. Every health system needs that because there's lots of patterns of problems that we don't even know exist, and AI will help us identify those so we can, get, uh, so we can begin to define better problem statements and fix them. Now, culturally is the challenge. I think, uh, you know, culture is what is really uh, the holdback on AI and adoption in that organizations that are really willing to make change um, take a little bit of risk um, and step out on a limb to um, test uh, hypothesis will move forward. Those who are steeped in traditional ways of doing things and aren't willing to um, adjust are going to struggle to adopt AI. So we are a pretty change-adaptive organization, and so I think as an organization, we're really starting to really get uh, pressure from our leadership, um, our executive leadership, our board, to be a data-driven organization using AI to help us identify patterns and problems and then help us to solve those, those patterns or those problems. So I think uh, we are, as an organization, ready. Healthcare industry as a whole, I think, is going to struggle because we are pretty steeped in tradition uh, across the industry. So let's look at the, the leadership within the larger healthcare organization and then also look at the physician community because they all have to kind of work together for healthcare to happen. What is the level of buy-in that you're able to get from both of these constituents to go and invest significantly, at least just about enough that you can start seeing some value to come out of it. Yeah, you can do experimentation and proof of concepts all day long, but something which you can truly deploy and start seeing some material value coming out, that requires the buy-in, the support, and the funding. And you got these two different set of stakeholders that you have to deal with. What's that current state? 
and how are we tackling it? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise mobility management and document sharing solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome, listeners. So, uh, Ron, when we look at the buy-in, and we know that we have entities, we got the internal stakeholders, which could be your healthcare executive management, and then you could have the physician community. Of course, there are many others, but perhaps these are the ones who play a key role in what will end up uh, happening, leveraging these newer disruptive technologies. So, when you look at the buy-in, if you were to define the current state, where are we overall? It could be what's happening in your company your organization, or industry overall? Great. So so from my perspective, um, I, I'm very fortunate. I'm in an organization where um, we have um, buy-in from the executive leadership and from the board that this is our future, that we will use um, information and what we can glean from that information through um, artificial intelligence and machine learning, how we can leverage that technology is very important to our future. And so given that, the leadership has committed not only uh, financial resources but human resources um, to us. In fact, if you look at my IT budget as a whole, our biggest growth areas are two areas, and one of those is uh, our um, AI, BIAI, our, our machine learning. It's really moving us through that continuum uh, on the intelligence side of the house. And then the other one would be information security um, that we obviously have to grow, continue to grow in, a, in this risk world. But um, with that said, so resources in our organization have been committed. I think um, from a provider and balancing the provider perspective, there are so many problems that you could solve 
And there are so many things that are out there in healthcare patterns that we're beginning to learn about that you can't um, put them all on the providers at once. It's just too much change. It's too much. And so the providers, I think, are willing. If you can prove a few big wins, if you can show them where um, using this technology is helping to improve their their outcomes and that the patients are actually better served by that, um, they begin to adopt it. And so, you know, we're doing some work right now in cardiology, and we're able to identify some variations in care and also identify what those outcomes look like. And you can see that just because we're doing more or the, the cost is higher does not mean the care is better. And so you start to look at those and you start to identify where you can start to improve care. And once you show a few wins, um, people start to buy in and they want more and more of those type of, of uh, opportunities. So that, that, that's just an example, but there's, these happen throughout the whole care continuum of places where we can identify there's a variation in cost, there's a variation in how treatment is provided, and the outcomes are quite different depending on what, which method we use. And so if we can identify those, adjust and get people to follow a more standard protocol, it tends to help. And then we see people, uh, the, the providers, wanting to engage and look for more opportunities to continue to improve. Because, honestly, they want to be the best they can possibly be. And now we have data to help them be the best that they can possibly be. So I think, uh, I think adoption is slow on the, slower on the provider side, but I really do think once you demonstrate a couple big wins, they come along. So I'm sure you've heard this as well, that AI and machine learning, I'd say more the AI is positioned to replace or displace healthcare workers. That includes physicians. And that could be because it is knowledge-based. And uh, if you could combine knowledge of 1 million physicians and get that to give you a recommendation on what to do in a given situation, that could be very powerful. And and as we know, I don't want to name the providers, but there are some providers who are betting their paycheck on it. So what do you say about the adoption-related pushback or passive or active resistance? Because that could put them out of a job. Is there a job loss or a business loss? Yeah, I really, I find that to be an interesting question also because as I think about it and as I talk to the providers that I work closely with, um, what drives that, that idea is fear. And I, when I, an example that I can give you is, you know, I read recently that if you're going to go in, if you teach radiology or you're going to become a radiologist, you might really want to think what your um, future is. And because uh, machine learning is going to replace radiologists. And I think that there are cases where we're beginning to see that uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning in some conditions can uh, identify those as well as radiologists. But across the continuum, we're a long way from being able to look at all different um, um, physiology, um, human physiology components, looking at all the things that are going on with the patient, the comorbidities, things like that, along with that um, 
that diagnostic image and really understand the patient. So we've got a long way to go, so I, I really wouldn't be worried about that right now. I think as we talk to my, uh, our, our providers, one of the things I think we should be looking at is how this technology can complement what they do. So it takes the mundane off of them and puts them on the more specialized work. And so that's the message I try to get with our providers is that, you know, this, is, this can take some of the mundane work away from you, but the more specialized work, the work that you really like to do, it actually is complementary to that because it gives you the clue as to where to look, and then you can begin to investigate further. So I, I struggle with the idea that we're going to just uh, displace physicians, providers, radiologists, whatever the case may be. I struggle with the case that we're going to displace them, in a, at least in the foreseeable future. So, so now, based on where wherever we are, uh, that's another area to look at is the experimentation. So, if, suppose the bind happens, right? And and while I spoke about the proof of concept, would you go full full blown adoption of AI and machine learning? And yeah, yeah, you mentioned that we will go slow, but do you have? what I call as a path to adoption, a complete adoption? Do you have some low-hanging fruits that you recommend? Or you yourself may be going through where, say, okay, this, this, and this area are the ones we will experiment and then eventually deploy first. Depending on the outcome, we'll go to the plan, like the second area and the third area. Is there a playbook, in short, that yeah, someone I should have? Well, I think there is a playbook, and, and it goes back to the idea that there are, there are, in our industry, there's so much that we could be solving, and we continue to make improvements. So as an organization here, um, we, we're looking for clinical variation and cost just to see if, um, and so we've chosen some DRGs, some specific DRGs, and we are using them to identify certain conditions or, or um, certain uh, disease states we want to look at, and then we're looking at the variation across those. So we, we're starting small, and again, the idea is if you can look at a few things, so let's just say we do cardiology, we look at cardiology, we look at a few DRGs, we see the variation, we see patterns, and we try to identify what problem we want to attack, and then we develop a, a problem statement, and we use AI to solve that problem. And if we're successful, it breeds another problem or another question that we just keep going on and on, and it just starts to expand slowly over time by answering one question, which generates another question, and we just keep moving through the continuum. So as an organization, we're, we're lined up across service lines, and so what we've decided to do is start to take the approach at the service line level and look for um, clinical care, uh, cost variation at a at a service line and a few DRGs, and then we'll and then we're doing concurrently with another service line and a few DRGs, and begin to look for some wins. And so I think our approach to how we're going to adopt AI across the organization is really that I, our roadmap is really that let's start with a few things in each service line, and then we will expand it over time. And as we start to fix problems, identify patterns and fix problems, we'll just keep moving through the continuum, and it'll just grow over time. And I think that's the best way to do it. I wouldn't call it experimental. I would say taking a few steps in the right direction and then expanding over time. So in terms of the 
policies and the processes. We'll take a break after before we get to this question. I wanted to at least share it with you in the audience. Um, so the policies and procedures that we have, and we know that AI is not just about peripheral. For you to get the most value, it cannot be just put peripherally. And if you're going to have some decision processes, which is going to bring some insights, they have to be injected back into the processes. And then there are some ethical issues, some other uh, policy issues, which will kick in because you're using AI and there is, especially with healthcare where lives are at stake, then there are some other policies which have to be impacting, uh, which will get impacted as a result of what we are attempting to do. So, as part of that playbook, would there be specific ones, the candidate policies and procedures, which one should start looking at and see to the level of adoption that we are kicking it off with? What changes do we make and how do we continue to tweak them till the time you're done with the full-blown adoption? So let's discuss that. When we come back, please stay tuned, listeners. Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise mobility management and document sharing solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, uh, Ron, when we talk about the policies and processes which will we need to, which we will need to change in a healthcare organization to effectively adopt AI and machine learning. What's the playbook chapter going to look like for that? And, and in what, um, what I'll say that the depth and to what degree would we start shifting things around because we are embracing AI and machine learning into the healthcare process? So, um, I guess when you think about, so you said policies and processes. So when I think about policies, our challenge, I think, with policy is that um, traditionally um, healthcare has had silos of information, and those silos are basically um, uh, 
uh, unto themselves. They're blocked, and, and sharing and, and exchanging information uh, has been a challenge. And so I think that the first thing when we think about policies as an organization or as an industry is we really have to reevaluate what we have as privacy policies. I'm an advocate for privacy, but at the same time, there's the need to share information effectively between entities and between um, in order to identify where we can improve. So um, I think we have to, as an industry, look at uh, uh, privacy policies and how they need to be adjusted. I also think that data use policies are another challenge in our organizations. And what payers, what providers, what... uh, um, um, healthcare institutions can use and how they can use that information can sometimes be a challenge to being able to get good information across the continuum. So I think that's another policy, if you will, that needs to be looked at. And then there's the whole ethical uh, components that we'll need to talk about. But I think we have to, as an organization, as you start to prepare for um, AI and the use of AI, is to go back and revisit what are those uh, those are the main policies I think of that privacy, how do I as an organization uh, look at my privacy policy and uh, how it's applied uh, so that I'm not stepping outside what I should and can um, ethically do with that data, the data use policies uh, again. So the way you start to prepare this is to think about all the different data you're going to be using, all the different um, sources of that data, and reviewing and trying to normalize, if you will, those policies across the continuum. Um, As we have stood up a clinical integration network, which uh, requires a lot of data and a lot of data use, that's been one of our biggest challenges is making sure that we can provide the right data um, in a secure manner and protect the privacy of the patient um, in that work. And so I think aligning those policies first is the first step in the playbook. And then you'll start adjusting the process um, of how you consume data and what you can do with that data. I'm not sure so, if I answered your question, but that's kind of how, how I see it. Sure. No, understood. So now when you are looking at the receptivity of this whole idea of bringing AI into the organization, I'm sure the original business case was cost efficiencies and automation wherever possible. But then people have also looked at, as I was mentioning earlier, about introducing it on on the clinical side. Would you say, yes, we know we have not gone full-blown yet, and maybe there is time to come before physicians will be replaced by an algorithm. But where are we? Are we are we actually setting the foundation as part of adoption of these two to eventually go there? Or are we going to primarily be making this as an efficiency play? And I would argue it's both sides of the house. I think that you are do, we are using AI to identify cost and efficiency gains. There's no doubt in my mind that's a, that's easier. Uh, it's the easier one to move. But we are also looking at it from a clinical um, care perspective. And um, I, I'm not going to share specifics, but I we have done um, some work in that, and I, I called our clinical variation model, where we are actually beginning to look across uh, clinical care, looking at outcomes, 
and the and what was done to get us to that outcome and identify if there are certain protocols that we could follow that would improve the outcomes overall uh we're really looking at that so we're beginning that work now of looking at um the outcomes of patients and what what was done uh, along their journey and where we see the best outcomes and and trying to use this information to adjust um, clinical practice. So I think it's happening on both sides of the house. Clinical practice is getting adjusted as well as just the administrative overhead components. If you were to look at the collaboration that we need among the different parties, as I mentioned, healthcare uh, is all about working with different collaborative parties to, to, to make it happen. And then when we look at AI, Yes, data could be one central foundation which everyone will need to perhaps jump on and support. But then what else? What else do you think is required if you were to draw out the requirements for what's needed among all the different, what I call as value chain partners in healthcare? What else is needed from the rest of the the entities who are working together to make healthcare happen? Well, I think some of the things we really, and I, I believe I'm going to answer this question correctly uh, from the sense that I believe that socioeconomic factors and what's happening in our, our communities, we need information to help to complete that that information, and we, we don't necessarily have all that. I think uh, we're looking at uh, our payers to provide information on claims because we have a view from a um, healthcare uh, provider, we have a view into the work that is done within our um, organization, um, and we also have a view into the things that come to us through health information exchange. But the payers probably have a better uh, view of everything across that patient, the, the complete story of care or the complete story of charges or claims, if you will. They have the better story from that perspective, so they at least give us clues into um, other uh, things that were done outside of our organization. So I think as we look at this, it's really a collaboration between um, the providers, the payers, the health information exchanges, um, the laboratories. It's a, it's a collaboration between all those entities to get that complete um, story, that complete information around the patient. So we, we just spoke about uh, the payers and the providers, which is, of course, the insurance companies and healthcare. Would you think physicians are more at the receiving end for the most part, or they are expected to step up? And if at all, they are to step up. This question actually is true even for the, the payers. Is what's their incentive to do so? Because if they've not done so far, the last thing on their mind is, oh yeah, the the the, the service provider is toying with the new technology, so let's go ahead and support. I'm not sure I understand the question, but I'm going to uh, try no, to. No, so I'll, I'll repeat it for you. What I'm saying is, what's the incentive? One is what they should be doing for adoption, right, to support. Uh, the AI, but then what is the incentive for them to change? Because there should be uh, a reason why they would invest their time and energy to change anything that they have, unless otherwise they get value out of it. People right. will not just make this change because of altruistic reasons. Right. 
So if we look at it from, let's look at it from provider side first, then we'll look at it from the payer side. So from a provider side, um, what we're seeing is that payers are willing to incentivize, are beginning to incentivize uh, providers to uh, provide information in order to improve their quality of care. And so the idea is, you know, uh, we're, we're going to give uh, the provider a little incentive if they provide us this information so that we can look across the continuum and begin to use that data um, on our side. At the same time, the um, payers um, are uh, by providing us with information, providing the provider with information, we are able to use that to um, begin to um, create, um, well, we're doing a lot with our clinical integration network where we're looking across the population of patients and addressing um, gaps in care, addressing uh, risks, because now we have information that completes the story and we know more about that patient. And by doing that, we're improving the quality. And if we can improve the quality and, and at the same time lower the cost for the payer, it's a win-win. And so I think that's really the incentive is to incentivize the providers uh, by offering them incentives for providing the data and improving quality, and at the same time, we're, uh, the payers are getting incentivized by, us prov- uh, by providing us with data that we can use to improve the quality of care, which in turn lowers their cost. So I think if we can start to share data back and forth, what happens is we see quality improve, we see costs be lowered, which drives both, um, which incentivizes both sides of the house. What would you say about the benchmarks? Uh, what's the benchmark or the, the blueprint that we are trying to develop or we are going towards the holy grail? What are we pursuing that, okay, if we get to this level of adoption or we get to this level of uh, collaboration among partners, then we have reached where we wanted to? With respect know. to AI and machine learning adoption. I mean, what are we chasing, right? I mean, you, if you don't have a picture... How do you develop goals? How do you build a roadmap? So I guess the the uh, that's an interesting question. I'm not sure that there is a ever satisfied um, mode uh, of where we're trying to get to. I think it's a constantly evolving and improving um, need or or desire. And so I think until we can um, get to the point where we feel like or that we understand that we have the complete story. Uh, we don't have all the data. So we're constantly striving to pull, to gain access to more and more information around the patient in order to give them that complete story of care. I, I think there's also, a, a, and we may get into this discussion, but I also think there's a patient component in this because I would think that we want to engage the patients into what is uh, their ideal state of what we should be providing to them. What do they define as the care they should be getting based on what we're doing with the um, AI? What what uh, uh, what role do they play? Now, um, if you are looking at the different ways, and we'll just take a quick break now. We'll uh, we'll come back after it. But then, what we should be talking about is the people. Because people will make or break any shift or any transformation that you're uh, trying to do. And while AI and machine learning are not transformational technologies by themselves, but they could become 
the basis of how you deliver healthcare, both from a clinical and administrative standpoint. But are we ready yet? Or are we looking at some uh, cool cloud technology which will allow us to take care of this and we can do what we're doing today? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back and explore. Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management and Document Sharing Solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, listeners. So, Ron, let's talk people. And people are critical, and they are the very basis of whatever is going to end up happening. Now, AI and machine learning on the surface look like technologies you can subscribe by plugging in into a utility model or cloud and and get that data getting churned. But is that enough, or there is some machinery that's required. And I would like to include people, of course, from a technology side, which is who report to your department, but also the people who will end up using it in some form to deliver care. Yes, that's a great question. And and let's start, if I, if I think about people, let's start with the patient. You know, I think that the patient is key to our success in what we do with AI. Um, in fact, I argue quite often that everything that we have about the patient is the patient's data. It's not ours. And we should share openly with the patient and let them help us decide what we can use in this process. But um, that's, a, that, that's a whole show in itself, uh, talking about uh, the patient engagement in uh, in their care. Um, from a provider's perspective, um, you're right, you have to have that, that uh, collaboration with the providers, and I think the key to the provider collaboration is really looking at this as complementing their work, not displacing their work, and how do we get them to use this to complement what they're already doing, because really medicine, from my perspective, is both an art and a science. There's, there's the factual science, and there's the things that we're going to identify in 
um, AI, and we're also going to under, we're going to define some prescriptive approach to care. But I think part of the art of it uh, of uh, healthcare is really understanding the patient, understanding how the patient's going to comply, understanding what impact it's going to have on the patient, both financially or um, socially or whatever the case may be, and being able to address that in more of the artistic way than in what I would call true science. Um, so I think there's a mix of art and science, and I think this is the complementary science part of, of care. And then if we go a little bit further, so we think about um, resources to be able to manage all this data. We struggle, especially in a Midwestern, uh, uh, rural Midwestern area, to recruit talent that understand how to um, manage, manipulate, uh, utilize this data. And so we've had to take the approach when, it, when you talk about that type of a role. We have a, t- a great team of um, data analysts um, that are on our team. We have data architects on our team. But the domains are so diverse between air various um, specialties, between various care areas, that it becomes impossible for them to be good in all those areas. So we've really moved into a world of creating tools that are self-service, and we help to guide the direction with those people to be able to leverage these tools and and start to look for their own patterns, look for their own problems, and then help them to identify how to address those problems. And then we think about the resources you want to recruit from the higher level, um, data scientist level, that's next to impossible in the mid, uh, rural Midwest to recruit. And so you look at stating a defined problem, um, and then you find the best domain expert in the industry that you can find to help you solve that, and you contract them to solve it, and then you move on to the next problem. So it's a combination of people that have to be involved in this process and each have their own unique spot. And we try to work across the continuum and understand each of their perspectives and how do we engage them in it. So when you said that the people problem is daunting and would you say there is a solution in sight or you will just promise that you'll work hard to solve it? Uh, again, I, I think a solution would be too simple. I think the it's a continual evolution, a continual change of looking at how do we engage people and adjusting our plan as more and more information and better tools become available. A few years ago, we would have tried to solve this by adding um, uh, hundreds of IT resources to generate reports for people um, uh, when they ask for them. Now we look at it as more of the self-service approach, and so we've kind of changed our approach and said, well, as the tools have evolved, let's move it to self-service. Let's get the domain experts in the departments, in the service lines to actually lead the charge, and we're there to support them. So it's really been a change, and I think it's going to continue to evolve over time as the tools and the ease of access of the information and the accuracy of the information involves, I think it changes what kind of, of uh, resources you need. And so I think it'll just be a continual, evolu- continual evolution of, um, of resources. So uh, one last question is about leadership. i got a minute. What do you think would be the type, first of all, who should be leading this effort? Who should be owning this effort? 
because on surface it might look like a technology adoption, but then it is a business problem that you're trying to solve. So who as an individual or which group should own it? And what type of leadership would you need for this to be uh, taken to success? Because it is unlike other any technology adoption, which is more like a peripheral. This stands to disrupt the way we imagine and the way we deliver healthcare. Yeah, and I, I guess I don't think of this as a disruptive technology. I think of this as a solution to um, the needs of the organization. So when I think about leadership, I don't think I think leading the aggregation of data and getting the tools in place can be led from an IT or IS perspective. But I think the actual use has to be led by the operational leaders of either service lines, entities, whatever the case may be. So in our case, I see our leaders as being the leaders in the domains are actually the ones that should be driving what they need, what problems they need to solve, and then uh, using domain experts in their area to identify um, the problems using all of this data. So I think it's really the leadership is outside of the technology itself. On behalf of the show and our listeners, thanks so much, Ron, for taking the time to uh, share how you and your organization is attempting to tackle this AI and machine learning adoption challenge, but also overall how healthcare organizations can come together along with all different value chain partners and maybe the different parts of the society to make sure that this is adopted well and it makes a marked improvement in the way healthcare is imagined and delivered. Thanks so much. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you, and listeners, hope you enjoyed, learned a few uh, nuggets here. Like us on Facebook, search for CTN CIO Talk Network, and be sure to follow us on Twitter. Join our LinkedIn community, and please uh, go ahead and rate us, and also download our podcast on iHeart, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, you name it. We are on a lot of different networks, so please go ahead and enjoy. Thank you again for listening to this segment on CTN. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care, and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Thank you again for listening. <laughs>